This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Um, well, you always learn things about the team, and um, I was really pleased with the mentality of the whole group. Everybody that got on the pitch, um, the way that we pressed when we lost the ball, I thought was indicative of the attitude to the game. And we moved the ball quickly, the interchange of play was good, interchange of positions was good, and um, lots of good individual performances. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good start to the week. Look, it's a game we know we should win and we should win comfortably, but um, I thought the way that we played um, was an in, a good indication of the type of football we want to play and that we can play now. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. England boss Gareth Southgate speaking after England's stroll against San Marino in the World Cup qualifiers. Oh yeah, it's the first international break of 2021. And we are still here. We are, we are. Um, it's on the ball. It's the Friday show. We will also have a Monday show looking back at the games we're going to be talking about right now. Uh, let me bring on the guys. Bob Holmes is here. Hello, Bob. Hi, everybody. Yeah, Bob with a bit of drilling in the background every now and again. So I don't know how he does it. DIY and a show at the same time. But there you go. <laughs> Craig Marias is also here. Hello, Craig. Hello, Ross. Uh, Bob the Builder there. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but, but it is the road to Qatar 2022, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, we've already had news that the EPL season's going to start August the 14th, so it feels like everything is really moving along quickly. Des Corkill is also here. Hello, Des. Hello, guys. Uh, they call it the beautiful game. I say it is my duty to try to pick holes into this beautiful game. Holes to pick this week as well. And that's why Des is always in demand. Tweet <laughs> at BFM Radio. Find us all individually on Twitter. Also follow us on social media, BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. So Group I then of the World Cup qualifiers, England 5, San Marino 0, 5-0, um, Resounding win, Bob Holmes, for England. But at the end of the day, it should have been a cricket score. San Marino were lucky to just get away with five. Uh, yes, uh, I think uh, our views on this is, are well documented. Um, playing the 210th ranked team in the world, uh, it's a bit farcical, isn't it? Uh, hopefully it won't come down to goal difference or anything in the end. But England shouldn't need that to uh, qualify. Um, I mean, these are part-timers from a tiny little place in the middle of Italy, 30,000 population. I mean, what do you expect? Uh, but in fairness, the keeper had a very good game and they stuck at it. England should have probably scored, as you say, a cricket score. But I think I, I'd just like to mention, in fairness to San Marino, the moment that they actually took the lead against England in 1993. Oh, it was only eight seconds into the game and an under-hit back pass by Stuart Pearce to David Seaman was, was seized upon. Boss? Who was the England boss? Graham Taylor. Ah, Graham Taylor. Well, there you it go. was his last game and it was in the days of headlines like in the name of God go and, and this sort of thing. Turnip, yeah. Swedes two, turnips one. His, his, his head on the back page, life size. Um, that sort of era. So to go 1 0 down against San Marino, you know, uh, alarm bells were ringing. And anyway, the guy um, seized upon the back pass, rounded David Seaman, put it in the net. So there the score went around the world. San Marino won England 0. England did eventually win 7 1. But uh, it didn't save them. They didn't qualify for the uh, USA World Cup in 1994. And Graham Taylor was sacked. Uh, but that's a little bit of history. And that guy, um, Galtieri, his name is. And he still dines out on having scored that goal. And still, <laughs> still signs autographs. Still gets, still gets a free dinner every now and again. Um, all right, looking at the pluses, Craig Marias, I mean, if, if you look at the England squad, a lot of fringe players there playing for, for places at the World Cup. Uh, we'll come to Jesse Lingard in a minute, but I want to I look at uh, James Watt-Prowse, 
I thought maybe made a really strong case for himself in that central midfield. If you think about it, it's just normally what Jordan Henderson, uh, Declan Rice, and then Eric Dyer has a go every now and again as yeah. well. But you know what I mean? So that's a position that maybe Ward Prowse can get in. Yeah, uh, most definitely. Um, I agree with you. I think it's it's uh, a place where there's there is competition, but you know there, there's no one that's really secured their place uh, apart from Declan Rice, uh, maybe Mason Mount now uh, with his form for club um, and also country. Um, but yeah, I, I thought James Ward Prowse uh, really uh, staked a good claim uh, for a, a permanent uh, spot in that squad. Maybe not necessarily the first eleven. Um, I still don't think he's he's of that quality just yet. Uh, I still think he's missing a little bit to his game. Uh, but there were good signs of it. Um, you know, I mean, arriving late into the box. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know about his set pieces, the quality uh, that he can deliver. Very close to adding a, another one to um, to his tally last night. But it was a fantastic save from the keeper. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, I, I still don't feel he's good enough uh, to really be in that first eleven for England. I think there are better um, options ahead of him. Uh, but maybe as a squad player, he, he can kind of get into those tournament squads and things like that. Um, just just on what you said uh, about the fringe players, you know, it was it was kind of refreshing to see, you know, because it, you got to remember it's the first game of the qualification. Um, you know, I, I thought Southgate probably would have gone for a stronger squad, um, and you know, just just get them, you know, get the goals going, get get the players going um, in terms of the qualification race. Uh, but he opted for for fringe uh, fringe look. Um, you know, Nick Pope obviously uh, was had nothing to do. <laughs> Pickford was yeah, he had nothing to do. Uh, but it was good to see the likes of uh, Reese James come in. Yeah. Um, ahead of your your, your Trippiers, your Walkers, um, good to see Jesse Lingard get a start. Calvert Lewin leading the line. Uh, that 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 was really good to see as well. Um, in in absence of Kane so a lot of positives Ollie Watkins obviously came off the bench scored yeah. his debut uh, a really good finish um, so I think you know we, yes England could have obviously got more they could have got you know probably double figures if, if it wasn't for fantastic uh, goalkeeping performance uh, but enough enough positives to take uh, for Southgate and uh, they'll look forward to the next couple of matches now that's Corkill. I know international football and, and particularly the English national team is not high on your list of likes <laughs> but even you have to admit that the, the story of someone like Ollie Watkins from non-league football to, do you know what I mean, plowing in the lower leagues to making his international debut and scoring, that's, that's a nice story, right? It is. It's a very nice story. My first question, though, is why did England wear blue? Italy that's, playing that's, blue. No, that's the new home kit. Uh, but where is blue on the, on the English flag? Uh, I thought, I thought the, the, the colours were meant to represent where you come from, and blue doesn't exist. It's just the latest in a long line. Italy wear blue, Greece wear blue, Scotland wear blue. England should be wearing white or red. But that's a, a churlish thing that just increasingly annoys me time after time. We'll come back to it later. The Germany only in black. Story is... wait, for, wait for it, Germany in black. Best call kill <laughs> yeah, on the way. <laughs> there's no historical precedence there. We shouldn't be worried about Germans in black at all, should we? Anyway, let's... <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's approach that when when we get there. But um, as for Ollie Watkins, I actually uh, he did well. He's he's, he's clearly a good lad. He uh, doesn't say much as in interviews, but he always looks bright and breezy. He's one of a number on on the sidelines for for England who could make it make it come through. Um, people were saying Bamford was unlucky not to get a game, but Watkins came on. All he can do is score with your first touch in international football. So that, that's terrific for him. More important for me, though, I think Calvert-Lewin is going to be really important for England yeah. because he does the ugly things. He could, should have scored six. He had the chances to yeah. score six, but he kept getting into those positions. He was in the six-yard box. A tap-in from two yards is easy if you are in position two yards out to take the ball. England have not had that kind of player for a long time. The one who'll do the dirty work, who'll clamber over the centre-backs to get the headers in. I think Calvert-Lewin is developing into a really, really useful international uh, player because he's not, he's not one of the superstars. He's not one of the pretty boys. He'll do those dirty, ugly things. And his reward was two goals tonight. And I think it'll, it'll be... Are they his first international? No, he scored on the international. No, he scored, he scored. Yeah, on his he debut. He scored a few. 
Yeah, yeah he, he did. But I, I think he's going to score a lot of goals internationally for England and he could be very, very important when Harry Kane disappears. Yeah, and happiest Premier League manager out of that, that game was Jose Mourinho because Harry Kane didn't play. <laughs> he stayed on the bench, which is good. All right, well, England's group is really a breeze. They should stroll it. Albania are our second. They, uh, they won 1-0 at Andorra. Poland, who are expected to be the biggest challengers, I guess, they were surprisingly held to a 3-3 draw away at Hungary. They were two down, and Lewandowski saved a point for them. Um, all right, let's move on to Group J, to the Germans who wore black at home. Actually, if you're going to wear black, I thought it was really nice. It was like a matte black Adidas with the three stripes. And hey, Don't get me started. <laughs> Germany, um, three, Iceland, nil. Um, Yogi Love, Bob Holmes, announced his retirement right after the Euros. It's nice. Well, when a manager normally announces his retirement, things go wrong from that day onwards. So it's nice that he thinks he can go after the Euros and that he can go through all the qualifiers and get to the Euros and, and do very nicely. But it seems that way because they are Germans. Well, I think he made the right decision. I think it was very sensible. I mean, bearing in mind what he went through at the last World Cup, and it was probably lucky to keep his job and the subsequent um, UEFA uh, National League. Uh, that was a disaster as well. Um, and I think he was going to have a lot of pressure heaped on him if they uh, put a foot wrong in this tournament, in, in, the, in the qualifiers even. Um, because the German press can be pretty damning um, when they want to be. And with his recent record in international football, um, he was on a hiding to nothing. Now, with him going anyway, he's released all that pressure. They won't be clamoring for him to go because he's going anyway. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off the players more importantly, than just himself. So I think it was a very, very wise move, smart move, and it gives Germany time to look for his successor. And the players, they'll play for him. They're, they're playing for the country rather than him now. Um, so very, very good move. And he was rewarded with a comfortable win. Yeah. Um, Iceland are not what they were uh, when they beat England in the Euros uh, three years ago. Uh, that crop of players seems to have dissipated somewhat I think they and, all shaved. Uh, yeah <laughs> Germany are uh, I mean they've got some very good young players and uh, of course the um, Manchester City and ex-Manchester City boys did well Sane and Gundogan Gundogan keeps scoring uh, what a season he's having. I mean, he's, he's not a, a forward, essentially, is he? He's a midfield yeah. player, and he's got a goals record that any striker would be proud of. Incredible. And Sane, good to see Sane. I couldn't believe that Man City let him go. I, I thought he was one of the first names you put down in the City team of two or three years ago. And now he's finding his feet at Bayern. So Germany will be a threat, no question about it. Comfortable win for them. Craig. Do you reckon you, I mean, I'm an outsider here. I'm Malaysian and I, I look at Germany and I look at England and, and they're roughly at the same progressive stage. They're trying to bring through new breeds of international players and, and the young ones are all really, really promising, aren't they? Yeah, um, uh, I think, yeah, I think probably England are probably a couple of years ahead of, of Germany in respect to that. Um, but what Germany are doing, it's, it's the changing of guard, uh, Jürgen Löw, you know, a couple of years ago, made that decision um, that he was going to start um, the, the new breed of, of, of German talent uh, and, and progress them through to the senior team. Um, and he's doing that. You know, you look at the likes of, uh, um, of Musiala, uh, yeah. who made his debut as well. You know, young, young kid. Um, just, you know, you talk about, you know, playing for the big clubs. You know, he, he made that move to leave England to go and, and join Bayern Munich and made such an impression there that... You know, he, he was almost fast-tracked to the senior team. Um, now he's got his reward. He's, he's playing good football, playing for the national team now. Um, and, and then there are there are players in that team 
that we've been talking about for years. But when you look at their age, they're still really young. I mean, you, you touched on Sane there, Serge Gnabry. I mean, he's been around for, for God knows how long, you know, when he, when he was at Arsenal, West Brom and everything like that. Um, Kai Havertz is a name that's familiar to us. He's still only early 20s. Um, so there's a lot of potential there. We haven't even gotten to the team of Werners who didn't even start the match. Um, but it's a good blend of it because, you know, Neuer's obviously been around for a while. He's in his 30s. Uh, you've got Rudiger's in his late 20s, I think. Um, and you've got Gundogan, 30 years old. Um, the one player who's really impressed me um, over the last couple of years, who I think has improved a lot, is Goretzka. And, and, and Goretzka has, has turned into a real, real... Yeah top, top midfielder in, in world football for me. Um, he made that move, obviously. Uh, I can't remember where he came from, uh, which uh, which Bundesliga club he came from. Uh, it might have been Schalke or, or something like that. Uh, but he made that move to Bayern Munich. And it, he's just come on leaps and bounds um, in, in that Bayern Munich team. And it, now he's slowly translating that um, onto, onto the international stage. Um, I think he's a real, real top player. Uh, and when we're talking about, you know, current, you know, top some of the best midfielders in the in the world he's never mentioned in it but um having watched him closely over the last couple of years i really think he's a top top player yeah germany easy win over iceland des is itching to speak but we're gonna make him hold it for a while because we're going for our <laughs> first break back right after this has come up with uh, something beyond ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us, Bob Holmes, Craig Marias and Des Corkill here on the international break looking at the World Cup 2022 qualifiers we talked about germany just before the break so let's move on and talk about spain now and bring in des corkill spain was surprisingly held at home to a 1-1 draw with greece now the spanish european champ ex-european champions ex-world cup winners they're really in a rebuilding stage they, they've got i don't know you look at the game they they never looked really in control it's very un-spain like des corkill what's going on there well, firstly, they didn't look like Spain because they played in white in home. You're wearing a Spanish shirt, Ross. Uh, uh, yeah, red I, and yellow is the Spanish home kit. No, actually, so this is Portugal, if you know your okay. colours. Yeah. <laughs> Spain, but Spain didn't look like Spain. They were they were very important. They hit the bar. Morata had a, a couple of... Uh, Hang on, Des. Can I, just, can I just jump in and say the UEFA ruling for internationals is that home nations wear the away kit. Must wear, wear the yeah. away kit. Okay, yeah. all righty. Okay. They still didn't look like them. I know. Okay. I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I'm a stickler. That and numbers on the back. You can't see a number nine at left back. I mean, that's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my my other big Alioski at Leeds wears <laughs> yeah. a 10. My other big whinge about this game is, is the penalty. It was a modern-day penalty conceded by Spain where the defender, I think Martinez, has yeah. got the ball, cleared it. And his momentum has followed him through. He's trying to withdraw his, his boot from the follow-through. And a penalty is awarded. And the thing that bugs me more than anything, everyone's kind of going, oh, yeah, it's a clear penalty. Never in a million years up until about two years ago was this even considered to be a penalty. Never. The game is changing. The laws are changing before our very eyes. And I really do think they are uh, for the worse because there is not a chance in hell that that uh, uh, penalty conceded by Spain against Greece was a penalty. But nobody complains. Uh, nothing to see here. Let's go on. Um, Greece didn't offer an awful lot. Spain are rebuilding. There's enough good players in Spain. Uh, there's, there's, there's enough uh, quality in the Spanish league for them to not be genuinely worried about the opponents in that group there. They've got Greece and who else have they got? I think Greece are probably Sweden. the best of the of the opposition. Oh no, Sweden are, yeah. are, are, can, can be a little bit naughty. Uh, you need to win the group because the, the playoff route for the runners-up is is quite a little, it, it's a little bit dicey. Of the 10 group winners, the runners-up, uh, they go into a, a mini playoff format and only three of the runners-up um, have, will have a, a chance of making it through into the finals. So you need to make sure that you win your games. So a drop point against a dubious penalty, um, to, to me, is, is not the best of start for Spain. They are good enough to recover, 
But whether or not this comes back to haunt them, um, we, we, we will wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dubious penalty aside, Spain should have scored a lot more um, at, at home. Um, but yeah, with that draw, Sweden are going to have their tails up, uh, Bob Holmes. At 39-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic returns to the Swedish fold. And uh, he had an assist in this game, in this 1-0 win. Said afterwards he was playing in a new system. It will get better. He's allowing it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, typical. He probably would have been disappointed not to score, I think. Um, but where's he been all this time? I mean, you have to ask that, don't you? Um, I mean, he could have uh, been an even bigger name on the world stage had he played for his country for the last five or six years. I don't know how many, several years, isn't it? He's missed a couple of um, major championships anyway uh, for, for some, uh, only he knows the reason, I think. Something to do with his ego and a clash of personalities. But um, yeah, he's, he's shown at 39, I mean, 39 is, is seriously old um, <laughs> for a striker yeah. in this modern game. I mean, it's, it's relatively old for a goalkeeper even, but 39 for a striker is exceptionally ancient and he can still do it. Uh, and he, as he showed at United when he came there, a lot of people thought he was over the hill. But I mean, a free transfer scored 30 odd goals. I mean, what a player. I mean, he keeps himself incredibly fit. He's big guy, as strong as a horse. Yeah, um, he, he's, he's still a player, still a player. And uh, I'd like to see him get there. I mean, it would be something of a fairy story for him to uh, help Sweden to, to the finals, wouldn't it? That... Um, He'd be one of the leading personalities uh, in the finals. Just like to say that although we know the date of the kickoff for these finals, November the 21st, 2022, they haven't yet decided on the league or the Champions League and how they're going to fit around the World Cup. I mean, that's, it's just the next season has been announced. The kickoff of next season, yeah. normal early August, and it will finish in, in May uh, of 2022. With a break. <laughs> yeah, but it's mind-boggling to think we've had this decision. It's, we've been known for, what, 10, 12 years that uh, the World Cup's going to be in Qatar in, in November, and they haven't yet decided on uh, how they're going to fit the season around it. Quite incredible. A lot of wrangling to come. A lot of wrangling to come. Anyway, back to the World Cup qualifiers. Talking about Group B, where Spain were held at home 1-1 by Greece and Sweden, Zlatan-driven Sweden, beat Georgia 1-0. What, what do you think about Zlatan? Are you a fan, Des, of, of our Swedish lion? Uh, you take away all the publicity and when he plays, he adds value to every team he plays for. Yeah. So even at the age of 39, he... He was the man who got the ball into the penalty area for the, for the bundled uh, winner against Georgia. So, so long as he's contributing, I think all the other external factors are, are actually great because they take the attention off the rest of the team. So, yeah, very much so. I think he's a, a phenomenal player. It's the surrounding circus um, with, with um, Ibrahimovic that has been a, not a problem. It's, it's just attracted all the, all the lurid tales and all the lurid, without it actually being too lurid. It's all just fun. <laughs> I think he's, he's a great character, fabulous character. And to be able to be doing this at 39, what a physique, what a man, what a physical specimen. So, yeah, brilliant. Um, and if the Swedish manager thinks he's uh, worth the place, long may this continue. Imagine, imagine Sweden make it to the World Cup finals. Zlatan will be 40, maybe 41, an outfield player uh, appearing on the world stage like that. Wow, what a story that would be. But Roger Miller was 80, wasn't he? <laughs> All right, on to Group C we go, where Italy beat Northern Ireland 2-0. Um, it was a commanding first-half display from Italy that, that really just put paid to Northern Ireland. But um, Craig Marias, under Roberto Mancini, who took over, what, in 2018? The Italians are now 23 matches unbeaten. They, too like England, Germany and Spain, are in the rebuilding mode. But Italian players have always been special, especially at World Cups and stuff, right? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure about rebuilding mode. Uh, if you look at their team, I mean, they're two centre backs still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, You've got Locatelli in midfield. Um, you know, you go up front and it's Immobile, Insignia. You know, it's not very uh, uh, youthful, is it? <laughs> uh, All right, I, 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 I see them as young. <laughs> my fault. My bad, my bad. <laughs> Compared to Zlatan, Craig, compared to Zlatan. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh I, I saw Benucci and uh, Cellini must be close by, aren't they? I mean, they, they must be you know, 30, 36, 35, 36. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they're getting on a bit. Yeah, so, um, I mean, not really, um, you know, really um, rebuilding that Italian side. Um, but, but that's what Italy are, aren't they? I mean, you know, they, they have experienced players. Uh, somehow, you know, they still are able to compete both domestically and on the international stage. Um, fitness levels are fantastic. They keep themselves in shape. Uh, must be something to do with the food that's over there um, <laughs> or a glass of red wine at night. But um, it's working. You know, that that's the main thing. It's working for Italy. And um, every country is different. Um, and, and Mancini just knows how to get the best out of them. He's found the right balance. Um, I still think, um, you know, you talk about, you know, favourites and things like that. I, I don't think they're anywhere near that level. It's not the Italian sides uh, that we've seen in, in, in previously. It's still lacking that bit of quality, I feel. Um, uh, but, you know, to get around, uh, get into the World Cup, to go through these qualifying uh, stages, uh, you know, you can't bet against Italy. You know, you just can't. And um, mm. I, I just feel that it's a decent Italian side. Mancini's doing a decent job there. But, you know, when it gets to the nitty gritty and stuff of an of a international tournament, they'll probably get found out. All right. We're going to pause there. Still talking about the Italians one in group. question. Season. Sorry, one question. Yeah. Why do Italy wear blue if the home team must play in a away kit? What's the clash, <laughs> what's what's the clash with Northern Ireland? Uh, Northern yeah. Ireland playing green or white. Why do Italy play in blue? Answers on a postcard, please, UEFA. Answers on a <laughs> <laughs> and, and we go to our second break. Stick with us. Back with more. Des, right after this. <laughs> Brilliantly done. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Wonderful control and superb execution. We wonder if he'd make a difference. So it beats him all ends up, doesn't he? Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Before the break, Des Corkill asked why the Italians played in blue, uh, weren't forced to wear their away kit. Well, the answer on, on many postcards that came in during the break was uh, because those guys in the black suits and the sunglasses told them so. <laughs> <laughs> so. So why did the Irish not play in green? <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. Would you want to wear green, though? It must be probably the worst colour in football, I reckon. It's, it's a national colour. No, but it's, it's, meant for, it's meant for goalkeepers. Ah, uh, yeah. Ireland can take <laughs> yellow out of their flag and still make it nice. Anyway, let's not talk about flags and colours. That's a totally different. Um, uh, Bob, do, do you reckon the Italians are no longer a force? Like, come the Euros, you don't fear the Italians anymore. There's, there's no more Schiellacci to light up a tournament with like eight goals and stuff anymore. Well, no, the the clubs are also uh, reflecting that. There's a bit yeah. of a dip, yeah. isn't there? They, they haven't got a single club in the last uh, eight of the uh, Champions League for the first time for many years. I mean, when you think back, they used to dominate it, didn't they? AC, uh, AC Milan have, have won it seven times, the second highest to Real Madrid. And um, yeah, it, it does seem a little strange. So undoubtedly, there's a, there's a bit of a... Uh, lowering of standards, but it would be dangerous to write them off. Yeah. Uh, they know how to win. They know how to do it. And although they didn't qualify for the last World Cup, which is amazing in itself, they've still got those old boys there, the Cellinis um, and uh, the... Um, uh, the, the, yeah, I mean, the, the, the defense is still hard to beat, isn't it? You know, uh, they're never going to get hammered, Italy. And uh, they're just looking for the next generation. So don't write them off, but I don't think they'll be uh, a great force. They've got Switzerland as their main threat in this group, who they can't afford to take lightly. And as Des says, I mean, you don't want to come second because you get yourself into a mess, which is 
why they didn't qualify for the last World Cup, um, ending up losing a playoff. So uh, there's nobody else really to worry about, Lithuania, Bulgaria, Northern Ireland. So it's really down to those two. So they've got to make sure they, they get their edge on Switzerland and then they'll, they should be all right. Yeah. The, Sorry, this... Ross. Yeah. Sorry, Ross. Just coming on, on, on what I was saying just now, we do have to bear in mind uh, that the under-21 uh, championships are going on. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, so a couple of the players uh, like Tonali and stuff would have probably gone down there uh, to participate. So might explain why it's a slightly older Italian squad than, you know. Than so there you go. Saying. I was nearly right. <laughs> I don't think it would have changed too much, but yeah, <laughs> I'll give you the benefit. All right. Uh, well, also in Group C, Bob mentioned Switzerland are probably going to be Italy's major challenges. They won 3-1 away at Bulgaria. Briel and Bolo, Harris Saforovic and Stefan Zubier with the goals for them. On to Group J we go, where the Scots wore their home kits, Des Corkill. Because nobody else has colours that clash with Scotland. <laughs> it was Scotland 2, Austria 2. Uh, McGinn with a spectacular overhead kick to salvage a point. OK, my first win just nothing to do with the football. It's uh, In trying to do research for these games, you look online for the highlights. And all I could get for the Scotland game was gaming uh, versions of what was going on. I couldn't see any highlights. So I'm basing uh, what, I'm, what I'm saying here on the, uh, on the written word. And John McGinn has come to their rescue. But for, for me, this is a dropped opportunity for Scotland because they think that they've got a team that can start to compete. Uh, but just if you're going to compete, if you're going to win a World Cup group or be second, you cannot afford to, to drop home points. Crowds or no crowds, when the crowds come back, those home points dropped will come back and, and hurt you. So while everyone's uh, saying, well, McGinn's overhead kick was sensational, I have no idea, I haven't seen it, but <laughs> everyone is saying uh, the overhead kick was sensational. To me, it is a dropped point uh, in, the, in their World Cup qualification. I'd love to know Craig Wilkie's thoughts on this because he will have followed it passionately. But um, uh, it, it, it's the old adage in, in, in a, a group of six, uh, you're looking to win, got to win home games. Absolutely. And therein lies a problem for Scotland. Yeah. I actually, I actually watched the, uh, saw the goals for this. And um, I, I actually agree with what Des says. You know, I, I, if you look at that Scottish side on paper, you're talking about some top, top players. I mean, players that are playing for Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, um, Aston Villa. I mean, you're not talking about average players. You're talking about players that are playing at, you know, your the highest level. levels in Europe yeah. as well as domestically. Um, and, and they really should be doing a lot better. However, I will say that I, I still think they're lacking a bite up front. You know, they're, they're really lacking a good, good striker that can score them goals. And, you know, uh, I think it's Dykes that, that plays up front for them. Um, he plays in the championship uh, with QPR, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he's, he, he's, not, uh, he's not a striker that's going to set the world alight. You know, if, I think that's the only part of that jigsaw that's missing for, for Scotland. Maybe a good centre-back as well. Um, but, but if we're really looking at it, someone that can really score them goals at that international level. Um, McGinn's goal, absolutely fantastic. Uh, I don't know whether he was slightly offside or not, um, but, um, you know, it was a really, uh, it was a fantastic uh, bit of magic. Um, I think Scotland will be disappointed with the manner that they considered the goals in. I think if you look back at the goals, you know, maybe the keeper could have done better for the first one. Um, should, you know, the second goal, should the striker really be scoring a header from there? Um, I think a centre-back could have been, you know, challenging him a little bit more. Um, so I, I agree with this. You know, I, I think it's points dropped for Scotland, um, although they might be looking at that differently and thinking it's a point game. Yeah, I, I think Scotland of a couple of oh, last qualifiers would have lost that at home, hands down, yeah, four 0 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But could I could I just come in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah I say this. I mean, when you yeah, it's a great pity they lack a goal scorer. It's a familiar failing. But when you look at the team around, it's not bad. But yeah, you're, exactly. they're unfortunate. They've yeah. got probably two of the best left backs in the world. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but and one I mean, plays and left winger. They play <laughs> left wing. Yeah. I mean, they're attacking. Yeah, they're attacking left backs too, but they're not really goal scorers. I mean, it's an unfortunate uh, sort of odd problem to have. But McGinn, here's another. He's a midfield player, but he's only scored one goal this season. 
this is this is a problem. He's only scored four in 55 games for Aston Villa. I looked it up because I never remember him scoring for them. <laughs> four in 55 games, a midfield player. You know, this is their problem. They're, I mean, they're very good. They can trouble England. I'm sure they will trouble England at Wembley in the Euros. But, you know, putting the ball in the net, it's mm. uh, been a long-standing problem for the Scots. Yeah. Well, was Harry McCoy the last, like, proper striker that they've had? I'm just trying to think back. Of, of top level, yes. I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm, yeah. I'm struggling to think of anyone else. Yeah. What's that? Duncan Ferguson. <laughs> ah, Duncan, yeah, yeah. yeah. Duncan Ferguson, yeah. Yeah, that, he was probably the, yeah. All right. Uh, Scotland and Group F then. Uh, the biggest challenges to the Scots are probably the Danes. They won impressively 2-0 away at Denmark. Moldova and the Faroe Islands drew 1-1. All right, from Scotland, we go to the Republic of Ireland, who are in action on Sunday at 3.45 a.m. Uh, this Republic side are, uh, well, they're a shadow of the Republic sides of old Des Corkill. I know they, they're looking for new players to become Irish and all of that. <laughs> but, I mean... What do you think? There's, a, there's already pressure on, on, on the new man in charge, Stephen Kenny, is it? Who, who's in charge of the Republic of Ireland? Yeah. Stephen Kenny. The fact, yeah, the, the fact you actually have to, is it Stephen Kenny? We yeah, uh, exactly. are on the world stage. These, these, <laughs> these are, these are lesser known players. I looked around and recognised, obviously you recognise Seamus Coleman, Darrow Shea, Kieran Clark, Ender Stevens is playing in the, in the, the, the Premier League. Even Callum Robinson and Aaron Connolly. You recognise yeah. the Danes, but then you look at Jason Malumbi, Nope, haven't got a clue. Alan Brown, no idea yeah. whatsoever. And so you, if you, if you, if you're, if you're interested in the game and you don't know these guys, then there, there is a major problem. Not that that in itself is a bad thing. You can have a, a very good team. Um, uh, you, you can create a, a good team from ordinary players. But this is a, a team that conceded two latish goals to to lose um, the, the first game three two. Uh, they're up against Luxembourg at the uh, at, at 3:45 in the morning, so they must beat Luxembourg. Luxembourg aren't quite a San Marino, but they're not far off. It Luxembourg incidentally played Qatar in um, a friendly the other day, and Qatar beat them by a goal to nil. Qatar are shadowing this group and are going to have friendlies against all the teams in this group in their preparations for their World Cup, which is an interesting little side note because I know diddly squat about the Republic of Ireland. <laughs> well, I looked it up. Can I just, I, I looked up Stephen Kenny for the simple reason that I didn't know anything about him. And I've well, discovered, I've discovered that he again. is the most successful Irish manager in a long, long time in domestic football. That's okay. why he got the job. He's, he's won about a dozen domestic cups and trophies. And he was knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And in the absence of anybody else and, and Mick McCarthy uh, throwing in the towel once again, they opted for him. And uh, he's uh, had to rely on uh, a lot of players, as Des says, domestic, from even the Irish League. League of Ireland, yeah. Ne never mind uh, the lower reaches of uh, English football. So they really have a dearth of quality. And a bit like Scotland with their left-backs... Their best, Ireland's best two players are their right backs, Doherty <laughs> and Seamus Coleman, who are probably the only two uh, players that anyone's ever heard of. So they're really up against it. And prior to this game, where they scored two goals, which was quite something, they'd gone seven games without scoring. Yeah. So I think this Luxembourg game coming up, I think you'd have to put it in the must-win category for Stephen Kenny. Yeah, well, they're in. Can, can I just say, it, I mean, it could be a similar kind of appointment to Michael O'Neill uh, from yeah. Northern Ireland. Yeah. If you remember, you know, I think he was one of those that no one knew a lot about, but did very well domestically. Um, and then he made quite a name for himself um, and, and is obviously now manager of Stoke City. So, um, yeah, you just never know sometimes, you know. I mean, the, the, these are uh, coaches, managers who have been through the system, they know the players inside out. Um, and yes, maybe not. Um, you know, household name, but you know they, they could have something about them. You just never know. Yeah, you never know, indeed. Uh, the Republic of Ireland are in a tough old group. They're in Group A, currently led by Serbia. 
Portugal also in the group. Serbia and Portugal are, are playing in midweek, so keep an eye on that. Uh, Portugal only managed to beat Azerbaijan yeah. 1-0. Right, final break. More midweek World Cup qualifiers coming up for you right after this. Lovely football. Speed of that little passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Two-goal lead, a picture of a goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. International break on the ball featuring Bob Holmes, Des Corkill, and Craig Marias. Uh, we're looking at Belgium, currently ranked number one in the world on the FIFA rankings, uh, which means they should breeze... World Cup qualifiers, shouldn't they? They should win all the games and they should be able to wear their home kit or whatever kit they want if they were <laughs> number one. Uh, they're away against the Czech Republic in Group E. Now, um, the Czech Republic currently leading, the, they had a, an impressive win, uh, the Czech Republic, in midweek. Uh, Belgium also won. Um, they, they're, what do you think about the Belgians, uh, Bob Holmes? Are, are, are they worthy of FIFA number one world ranking tag? Well, they're right up there. I mean, if they weren't first, they'd be definitely in the top three or four, wouldn't they? Um, I mean, l- l- the players on paper, they, they do have one of the world's best sides. No question about it. For a small country, uh, it's an incredible achievement. But they still haven't won anything. That's the, the big, that's the, the monkey uh, they've got to get off their backs, isn't it, Belgium? I mean, it's all right, um, you know, playing nice football and being number one, ranked number one. But you really, it's all about winning. And, uh, you know, they, they're going to be, I, I wouldn't put the house on them winning this. I mean, they'll qualify. I'm, I'm sure they'll qualify without any trouble. They'll probably get their quarterfinals or semis. But... Uh, it seems as if there's always somebody who's just that little bit better when it comes to the final stages. But I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Belgium win it. I mean, we're all familiar, very familiar with a lot of their players. A lot of them play in the Premier League. Um, so if England can't win it and Scotland can't win it, I'd, uh, I wouldn't mind Belgium winning it. <laughs> um, I think that for the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, um, to see him winning a World Cup, that uh, you know that that would be uh, that would be quite something. I mean, it's he practically is one of the... an EPL country playing. It it is it is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, in the old in the old days, they used to have leagues, uh, yeah, countries' yeah, leagues yeah, yeah. playing against yeah. each other. You know, I mean, uh, the Premier League would almost be a world eleven if if they did that today. Um, but uh, Belgium, yeah. I mean, Roberto Martinez, who was not the most obvious candidate for the job was he in the first place um actually has done i think a very good job um he seems to have united the squad which um has always been a bit of a problem because you've got two factions there you've got the french-speaking belgians and the dutch-speaking belgians and uh, there's they've had a little bit of uh disunity in the past but that all seems to be um sorted now and uh yeah they, they're going to be one of the favorites to win it i don't think there's any question about qualifying this will be their toughest game czech republic um who are no mugs but uh, they they've got enough quality to uh, to beat them so yeah uh i think we can look forward to seeing belgium in the finals no doubt about it they, they belgium don't really need to be good at football they just carry on making chocolates i'll be happy with that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, poor old Wales are in this group along with Belgium, the uh, Czech Republic and Belgium. So there's, I mean, Belgium beat Wales 3-1 in, uh, at the start of the international break. Uh, that was a bad loss for, for the Welsh. But Belgium, you expect to breeze this group and be one of the favourites for the World Cup. I wouldn't say breeze. They were given a, a tough uh, game by a Wales uh, team who are in disarray. Let's not forget that Gary Speed is a designated coach and he's not allowed to coach them at the moment um, because of... Ryan Giggs. Off the Gary, Ryan, Ryan, Giggs. Oh, sorry. Ryan Giggs. Who did I say? Yeah, Ryan Gary Giggs. Sorry. Speed. Yeah. Gary Speed. Oops. Apologies, Gary. Um, uh, but uh, Ryan Giggs is the he's designated coach. He's watching on a different not telly allowed, upstairs. Not allowed <laughs> to be involved. So Robert Page is in, in charge there and off, off the pitch they have got all kinds of... Um, um, shenanigans. They took the lead 
against Belgium. But then De Bruyne equalised relatively quickly, which was very, very important because you, you did in Wales. They like their team. In Wales, they think they have got they've got a squad there that is capable of competing with Belgium. They did them three um, one uh, in the Euros not, not long ago. Um, uh, then sorry in Russia in in the World Cup not long ago. And then uh, they also think that they've got a chance in this group. They fancy themselves against the Czech Republic. So I don't think this is a a, a, a foregone conclusion. Um, Belgium are terrific. But I think you can get a Belgium there. Their defenders are getting a little bit older. They play that three at the back. They've got Lukaku and De Bruyne, of course, uh, who are sensational. But this one, no, I think Belgium have had their chance. Yeah, they're ranked number one. But I think they have peaked because, uh, yeah, they've got the Tielemans coming through. Yes, they've got players coming through, but they haven't got the same players. And Hazard is no longer a part of their, of their setup, um, which I think be, for injury purposes has really, really will hurt them. So, no, this one isn't, isn't done and dusted by any stretch of the imagination. Um, no. Belgium, Wales and Czech Republic all in with the chance in that group. The Czech Republic have a red-hot Thomas Suchek playing for Indeed. them. Patrick Hero from their 6-2 win over Estonia. Right, we, we've got to look at the Dutch now because uh, Turkey beat Holland 4-2 in their first World Cup qualifiers. Now, the Dutch, I'm not mistaken here, Craig Moraes, are rebuilding their side, I think. Well, yeah. Uh, we've spoken about rebuilds, uh, but they already had their rebuilds. Exactly. They're constantly ago, rebuilding. Yeah, they're constantly rebuilding. Um, I think the whole Kuman saga really uh, kind of threw them off because um, when Wayne Kuman came in, obviously that was his main job, you know, because they, they obviously... They, um, they missed out the last World Cup, didn't they, as well, um, yeah. along, along with Italy. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it was the task of, you know, let's get back to that international stage. Let's get these young players, this talented group of young players that we have um, and, and fast track them to the seniors and, and, and get them playing. Your Frankie de Jong's, your, your um, you know, Donny van der Beek's, uh, Memphis Depay's getting on a bit, but Ryan Gravenbach. Um, and, and that's what Kuman did. You know, he got them into a system. Uh, he got them playing, um, you know, it was solid at the back with De Litt and Van Dijk, you know, going forward. You also had uh, Depay. Uh, Babel was even back in the squad, uh, you know, so they, they had a good, uh, solid unit. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, a manager coming in and, and you know, kind of getting everyone together again, uh, where in a squad where there's a lot of disarray most of the time, uh, that's what Kuman did. Um However, the Barcelona job became available and uh, <laughs> he chucked in the towel and, and, and off he went, you know, just as they were reaching a, a decent stage, you know, a really good stage. They, they even won the Nations League, didn't they? Yeah. Um, um, if, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, so they were really on a good, um, uh, in, in some good form and going on the right track. Um, Frank De Boer was um, questionable uh, <laughs> appointment uh, given his managerial track record. Uh, but they, they went down that route and uh, it's just not worked out. You know, I, I watched that match against Turkey and, um, you know, they, they're a pale shadow of themselves. Exactly. Uh, a year ago, yeah. a year ago. And, and, it's, and it's essentially the same squad. You know, you, know, you look at that team and, and it's, it's pretty much the same team. But, you know, something's just not clicking there. Tactics have changed, the formations. Plays look lost. Well, Nardum couldn't get into the game. Um, and, and Turkey deservedly... Um, you know, went 2-0 up in the, uh, in, sorry, 1-0 up in the first half, I think it was. Twice they um, went ahead, didn't they? Yeah. Twi twice in the first half, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and they got the third straight after half time. Exactly. Um, so uh, I, I would say, though, that the Dutch might have been a little bit unlucky on a couple of occasions in that match, though. Uh, there's no goal line technology. Um, and they had a header, which we, we, we didn't get a really good angle of it. Um, Although we saw the goal quite uh, quite a few times from different angles, we didn't get those angles, which is right down the line on it. Um, and I'd like to have another look at that delete header, uh, which was cleared off the line, because um, it did look like it might have uh, been behind the line, and, and that could have been a game changer. Um, I think that was at one one uh, or two one, so it, it was a very important goal. Uh, but yeah, the Dutch are they're in danger of not making another uh, another major tournament. I, I don't know what the fuss is, Bob Holmes. They just need to find another Van Basten and Ruth Hulik. 
What's the problem? <laughs> yes, um, yeah, the uh, well has run a bit dry there, hasn't it? <laughs> but uh, just speaking about goal line technology and the absence of it, uh, in the game that Des was talking about, the penalty incident, there was an absence of VAR. Because, you know, the Martinez uh, penalty um, yeah. incident you were yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah. Des, uh, VAR wasn't there. And uh, it's not there everywhere. And as goal line technology, it's at some games and not others. And now we're not talking about games in the Oceania group or Western Samoa or somewhere where it might be a bit beyond the technology to have these things. We're talking about in Europe here, the heart of the game. And they haven't got it in some games and they've got it in others. I mean, this you have to question this. Whatever side you're on and the VAR and technology argument, you can't have it in some games and not others. This undermines the integrity of the tournament, surely. This is the World Cup after all. It's, so I don't know what's yeah. going on. I mean, they're more concerned about shirt colours than, than uh, <laughs> getting this right. What an appropriate rate. What a most appropriate way to wrap up the show with a chat about VAR not being present, for goodness sake. <laughs> oh, and they still get it wrong. <laughs> Over the weekend, you've got Romania versus Germany, Georgia against Spain, Bulgaria against Italy, Albania versus England. We'll talk about those games on the Monday show. For now, I hope you've been entertained enough. Uh, i got to say thanks to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to Des Corkill. These are incredibly difficult shows to do because we so rarely see these countries involved. The research involved is massive. And, and yet, these are maybe some of the easier shows to listen to. They're <laughs> <laughs> certainly the funnest ones to do. Thanks, Craig Marais, as well. Thank you very much. Everybody have a great weekend. I'll speak to you on Monday. Bye now. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.